Hey, everybody. It is Friday, June 16th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, happy Friday. It's Friday, Friday. <laughs> She's brought it back, everybody. It's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jill, I should note, uh, thank everyone, of course, for listening to our daily podcast. But we got some extra stuff for you to listen to this weekend if you have time on this Father's Day weekend. We have a special interview with award-winning photographers and conservationists Paul Nicklin and Christina Mittermeier, their husband-wife team, incredible photography, 10 million Instagram followers collectively. Fascinating conversation, if I say so myself, about the state of the world, underwater photography, um, what they're seeing through their lenses. So that's available on your main feed right now. And also, Jill, for the Mo News Premium members over on the Members Only podcast, for those of you who have joined Mo News Premium, you have access to this. If you haven't joined, mo.news slash premium. We have an interview with Dr. Lara Devgan. She is a plastic surgeon and skin expert. Uh, and we talk about plastic surgery trends, what's hot, what's not, how social media is impacting plastic surgery, including what type of procedures, uh, the fact that uh, people are on Instagram and taking selfies all the time, how that's impacting the types of things people are requesting. And then interesting skin advice, including this is, I'll give you one tidbit here. She suggests that people sleep on their back and not on their side if you want to continue not to age your face. I've heard that, but I've also heard that sleep and getting a good night's sleep helps you in the aging process. And I'm not getting a good <laughs> night's sleep laying on my back. Oh, well, then, Jill, I don't know what to tell you. If you're not getting enough sleep and you're sleeping on your side, that just feels like a doomsday scenario. Although it all sounds fascinating, I guess it's time that I, I get myself a premium subscription, Moshe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's kidding, folks. She's a premium member. <laughs> Got it. We have to set an example here, Jill. Okay, time now for the news. It is the season for Supreme Court decisions. And on Thursday, we got a big one, a big win for Native American tribes in the United States. Plus, we're going to preview the other decisions that are coming up in the next two weeks. Two Americans were found dead in a luxury hotel room in Mexico's Baja, California, Sur. What authorities suspect is the cause. That stunning merger that we recently told you about between the PGA and Live Golf, now the subject of a Justice Department investigation. With all the talk about classified documents in recent weeks, remember that alleged Pentagon leaker, Jack Teixeira? Well, he's now been indicted by a federal grand jury. And nothing worse than going to pay for concert tickets that you think are one price, only to check out and discover there's sometimes hundreds of dollars worth of hidden fees while some help could be on the way. Plus, Moshe has on the same history. Jill, it's automatic. It's systematic. <laughs> it's hydromatic. Do you know where I'm going with this? Grease lightning. <laughs> that was a terrible, I don't even know what that was. But yes, it better be grease lightning. A big day for the movie classic, Jill. And it's Friday, what we are watching, reading, and eating this weekend. All right, it is the season for Supreme Court decisions. And on Thursday, we did get a big decision. The Supreme Court upheld a 1978 law aimed at keeping Native American adoptees with their tribes and traditions. So on Thursday, the court rejected constitutional challenges to the Indian Welfare Act, in which preference for adoptions is given to Native families. This case was brought by a white foster couple, Chad and Jennifer Brackeen from Texas, against five tribes and the Interior Department. 
The Brackeens adopted a Native American boy after a placement with a Navajo family had fallen through. And now they are trying to adopt the child's half-sister who lives with them. She's known in court papers as YRJ. So in response to today's decision, which was against the plaintiffs, the Brackeens attorney says that, quote, our main concern is what today's decision means for the little girl, YRJ, now five years old, who's been part of the Brackeen family for nearly her whole life. So, Jill, this was a 7-2 decision. Justice Neil Gorsuch, who sided with the majority, wrote that the law, quote, safeguards the ability of tribal members to raise their children free from interference by state authorities and outside parties. He noted that the law more than 40 years ago did not emerge from a vacuum, recalling that there was a mass removal of Native American children from their families in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Jill, before the 1978 law took effect, between a quarter to a third of Native American children were being taken from their families and placed with adoptive families in foster care or institutions. The majority were placed with white families or in boarding schools in attempts to assimilate them. So that's how that law came about that the court reinforced yesterday. The argument from the Burkines and other white families, though, and uh, they were joined by several Republican-led states, claim that the law is based on race and is in violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution and puts the interests of the tribes ahead of what's best for the children. Uh, Jill, as you mentioned, you know, who you feel for here is the family, the half-sister, and how that gets resolved now that the court has ruled here. Yeah, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, she wrote the majority opinion, and, and even she said that these issues are really complicated. She herself has some adopted children. Yeah, and we should note she ruled with the majority here. Uh, the two dissenters were Justice Alito and Thomas. Okay, so there are a number of other major rulings that we're waiting for in the next couple of weeks. The high court typically waits until the final days of the session to drop the most controversial ones. So the Supreme Court sets rule on two landmark cases concerning affirmative action. They were brought by the Students for Fair Admissions, the SFFA, against Harvard University and the University of North Carolina. So they purposely picked a public school and a private school. Students for Fair Admissions argue that affirmative action violates the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause and that it disadvantaged white and Asian American applicants. If the judges agree, this could effectively end the decades-long practice of taking race into account when it comes to college admissions. Universities have argued that if affirmative action is ruled unconstitutional, that it's going to be a lot harder for schools to have diverse student bodies. It is not clear how the court's going to rule, but during arguments, the conservative court, it's 6-3 conservative, did signal that it might be willing to overturn affirmative action. Yeah, that's the bet many people are making here. Jill, keep in mind, it wasn't that many years ago that the court reaffirmed affirmative action. This would have a huge impact on college admissions. For example, Harvard claims that taking race out of its admissions process would reduce enrollment of black students in the school from 14% to 6% and Hispanic enrollment from 14% to 9%. There are already nine states that already have policies that don't allow race to count in university admissions. That's Arizona, California, Florida, Idaho, Michigan, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Washington. If the court rules here, that would then bring us to all 50 states. The University of Michigan said in a court brief, that's one of those nine states that already can't take into account uh, race, says that those policies have now meant that their black population has decreased by 44% over the last 15 years. Now, there are race-neutral alternatives that some have proposed here that will allow for diversity. 
among them using zip codes as a rough guide for income levels, a proxy for racial and ethnic diversity. Um, others have said that they have plans to admit the top candidates from every high school while trying to expand recruitment. And it's a complicated thing here, Jill, because just because affirmative action exists and there's racial diversity hasn't necessarily led to socioeconomic diversity, that the uh, black students or Latino students that they're getting happen to be from higher income levels. So when we talk about diversity, there's socioeconomic diversity, there's geographic diversity, there's cultural diversity, there's racial diversity. There's a lot of different um, levels here. But it appears now more than 50 years after affirmative action was first established in 1965, that the court is ready to end the practice. The court sanctioned it in 78. So that puts us at about 45 years since uh, the court ruled it constitutional. And we should add here that in recent years, polling has shown that a majority of Americans favor ending the uh, race-based affirmative action. Another case to look out for has to do with President Biden's freeze on student loan payments. The Supreme Court is now deciding whether or not President Biden overstepped his authority by announcing last August his plan to wipe out the student loan debt of about 20 million Americans and lowering the balances of those among the remaining 20 million who qualify for relief. Biden wants to forgive up to $20,000 in student debt for many students. The government already approved 16 million applications uh, as of last year. Six Republican-led states, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and South Carolina, they filed a lawsuit against the president's plan, saying that Biden was overstepping his authority by moving to cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in debt without the authorization from Congress. I know we're getting a lot of notes about this, Jill. Many people are uh, very curious about how the court is going to rule here, whether they think that Biden uh, was able to legally do this or whether it was unconstitutional to do it without Congress. And it does come, Jill, as we learned this week, that student loan payments, uh, federal student loan payments, will start again in October after a three-year freeze. That was part of the debt ceiling deal in recent weeks. So we went through uh, the Native American case, affirmative action, uh, what we're looking for here on student loans. One more case to be on the lookout for in the next two weeks is a major case related to LGBTQ rights. It stems from a Colorado web designer who is opposed to same-sex marriage. The web designer, she only wants to design weddings, design websites for weddings that are consistent with her faith. But Colorado, like 29 other states, requires businesses that are open to the public to offer equal access to everyone, regardless of race, religion, sexual orientation, or gender. She actually is preemptively suing Colorado. She actually hasn't gotten any requests to do same-sex marriage websites, but she's preemptively doing this with some advocacy groups because she believes that the state law here, the public accommodations mandate, violates her right to free speech. So you have on one side here, Jill, people who say the government should not force them to violate their principles to make a living. On the other side, same-sex couples and others who say they're entitled to equal treatment from businesses open to the public. So that's another case to be on the lookout for. So Mosh, when do we expect any of these? Jill, they typically wait till the last two weeks of June to rule here. So we should get uh, the resolution on all of these by the end of the month. All right, we have plenty more to get to, including today's speed read. But first, we want to tell you about a couple exclusive offers for Mo News listeners and thank a couple of our sponsors here. We're going to start with Bull and & Branch, and we're so happy to be partnering again with them this week. Bull & Branch is a brand that helps you get an amazing night's sleep. 
They have a great sale right now for my news listeners, which I'll tell you about in just a second. My wife, Alex, and I got Bolin Branch Sheets nearly a year ago, and they're all we use now. We actually have a couple sets. The great part is they get softer with every wash. Jill, I actually take a Bolin Branch pillowcase on vacation with me. Okay, that <laughs> that's loyalty, Mosh. Right, they didn't ask me to do that on par- as part of this partnership, but I do that anyway. Their sheets are made with 100% traceable organic cotton. They're also made without toxins, free of things like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. Bolin Branch has already been bought by millions of Americans. Another interesting fact I learned recently, that includes four American presidents. But let's get to the deal here. You can get 15% off right now your first order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That's bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. 15% off with the promo code MONEWS. Now to Athletic Greens. We're always talking about health trends and food trends here on the podcast, and it can be hard to get all of your nutrients. One way to try to get the important ones is Athletic Greens AG1 powder. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy and it's quick and it lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. And it also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Monu's listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You could get a discounted monthly subscription or you can try it one time for just a month. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal. All right, Mo, time for the speed read from the Los Angeles Times and the AP. Two Americans were found dead in their hotel room at a luxury resort in Baja, California, Sur, Mexico. An investigation is still underway, but the suspected cause of death was inhalation of gas, possibly carbon monoxide. Those victims were found at around 9 p.m. Tuesday at Hyatt's Rancho Pescadero, a boutique beachfront hotel in El Pescadero. It's a popular surf destination between Toto Santos and Cabo San Lucas. According to a police report, the bodies were found after a housekeeper knocked repeatedly without an answer and heard a shower running. Paramedics responded and they found the two people dead of suspected gas inhalation. 41-year-old John Heathco was in the shower. 28-year-old Abby Lutz was in bed. There were no signs of foul play. So a Hyatt spokesperson did not immediately respond to questions about whether rooms at Rancho Pescadero, which, by the way, start at more than $600 a night, are equipped with carbon monoxide detectors. Gas leaks from appliances and faulty lines are common across Mexico and have been linked to tourist deaths in the past. Back in October, three Americans were found dead of carbon monoxide poisoning at their Airbnb while on vacation in Mexico City. Back last year, in March of 2022, an explosion sparked by a gas leak killed two people injured 18 others in Playa del Carmen back in 2018. There was a family of four from Iowa that was killed by gas poisoning in a condo near Cancun. Jill, we actually heard from a member of the Mo News community who stayed at this hotel in Baja California Sur uh, over the weekend. And he was writing that he was complaining about a gas smell at the restaurant uh, at the resort. He believed it was leaking propane, ha- was telling folks on site that, you know, there's a gas leak. You guys should look into this. Now, again, unclear whether this is related, but it is an interesting coincidence. And it does continue to reinforce to me that the most news community is everywhere. I did see that and I thought it was incredible insight. What also struck me is just that this was a, a 
really high-end luxury resort. So I think if you're going to stay there, people just assume that it's going to be safe. Okay, from CBS News, the leaker of dozens of classified military documents was indicted by a federal grand jury Thursday. Former Massachusetts Air National Guardsman Jack Teixeira charged with six counts of willful retention and transmission of national defense information. Investigators said in court documents that the 21-year-old used his position in the National Guard to obtain and then illegally disseminate classified military information to members of an online messaging platform. According to the indictment, he held a top-secret security clearance and received training on the proper handling of classified information. Teixeira was arrested in April, charged via criminal complaint after dozens of classified documents were discovered in a Discord group, an invitation-only forum where members can post anonymously. Those records were later widely shared online. Teixeira pleaded not guilty to the charges on the criminal complaint earlier this year, but he has yet to be arraigned on this newly unsealed indictment. Yeah, if you recall here, Teixeira was essentially the IT guy, Jill, for the Intel wing at the Air National Guard, and he needed security clearance in order to fix people's computers. Now, should he have had access to all those documents on those computers? Could he have fixed those computers without that clearance? That's certainly something the government is looking at right now as they try to hone in on the number of people who actually have clearance and need that clearance. A reminder, you know, he was putting out these documents to his Discord group, other gamers, to show off and tell them like, oh my God, look what's happening in Ukraine. Like, see what I have access to here or there and the other thing. And then that stuff leaked online, hit social media. And it wasn't until weeks later that the government actually discovered that these documents were leaked. So there is certainly, as this case goes on, something the government is looking at here. As far as the documents, I mentioned it had to deal with the uh, position of equipment in Ukraine, a government document that discussed a plot by a foreign adversary to target the US. Very serious stuff that again, he was just showing off and if you talk to the members of the Discord group, and they've been quoted here, they were like, yeah, we were only really interested, but Jack just like kept sharing this stuff, being like, look what I got here, look what I got here. You guys should really care about this stuff. Apparently, he sent more than 40,000 messages on Discord over the course of just under six months. In November, a member of the group asked him, isn't this shit classified? Referring to the information he posted on the forum, Teixeira allegedly replied to that comment on Discord, everything that I've been telling you guys up to this point has been, this isn't different. Investigators say he wrote, quote, I tailor it and take important parts and include as many details as possible. Jill, it sounds like he would have had a a life here at Mo News. (laughs) He just was doing it with classified information on Discord. He's trying to tailor it, pick out the important parts. Uh, It's something we try to do here, but if only. He's curating the classified documents, but just it's like he's in the wrong job. He should not be working in IT. Jill, he was just trying to read between the lines so they didn't have to. (laughs) On a serious note, though, um, and I think this is something we've discussed before, there had been a lot of red flags about Teixeira, which had raised some real questions about how he was even given access to this material in the first place. Uh, Prosecutors had said that he was suspended from high school in 2018 after a classmate heard him talking about weapons and Molotov cocktails. That kind of violent rhetoric continued after he started his military service. Prosecutors say that during that period, he posted that if he had had his way, he would, quote, kill a blank ton of people because it would be culling the weak-minded And court documents said that he had told a Discord user that he was tempted to make a type of minivan into a, quote, assassination van. Yes, there's questions here as to how he got the security clearance and then why is the IT guy, he was able to have as much clearance into computers 
download that stuff or access it in some way, leak it on Discord over months, and no one really found out about it until someone in the Discord community was putting it out on Twitter and other external places. So a lot of questions here as he uh, gets prosecuted, and we're going to watch all of it for you. From CNBC, the Department of Justice's Antitrust Division now officially investigating the PGA's proposed merger with Saudi-funded Live Golf. That didn't take very long as the announcement of that deal was just last week. So this week, Senators Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts and Ron Wyden of Oregon urged the DOJ to open up an investigation because of antitrust concerns. Ron Wyden, one of the toughest critics of Saudi Arabia on Capitol Hill, is also investigating the transaction. He wrote in a letter to the PGA management, quote, the PGA Tour's involvement with the Saudi Arabia's public investment fund raises significant questions about whether organizations that tie themselves to an authoritarian regime that has continually undermined the rule of law should continue to enjoy tax-exempt status in the United States. He also demanded to be provided detailed information about issues ranging from the players' free speech rights to the structure of the deal and compensation of managers to whether the Saudis' potential ownership of U.S. real estate posed a threat to national security. Yeah, this is a fascinating story and one that we're still awaiting details on. The PGA Tour, it wasn't so long ago, they had a very adversarial relationship with Live Golf. They were suing each other. Um, and the PGA Tour uh, and how they were treating Live Golf was already under scrutiny for anti-competitive behavior. Keep in mind, Liv is backed by Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who has a complicated relationship, you could say, with the U.S. and the Western world. And so when Liv launched here and was offering hundreds of millions of dollars to PGA golfers to get them to be part of their competing tour, um, it led to this huge divide, this huge rivalry within golf. But then suddenly, we learned recently that they were merging. Uh, money does amazing things here, it appears. They're reportedly investing billions of dollars uh, into the PGA and bringing all the golfers back together again. But uh, we haven't heard that much from the PGA on the details here of the agreement. I imagine that is what is of interest here by the federal government. And there's a lot of politics at play here, Jill. Former President Trump hosted a live tournament at his New Jersey golf club last summer. Uh, he has been a huge advocate for live golf here, very close to the Saudis, as they've also been investing billions with his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. But there's been outrage on the other end of the spectrum here, including from families and survivors of the 9-11 terrorist attacks who want the PGA to have nothing to do with the country where the majority of the hijackers came from. So there's a lot of very complex emotions, politics, and a lot of money at stake here. And from USA Today, Ticketmaster and the mobile ticket vendor SeatGeek will no longer hide fees from total ticket costs amid pressure from President Biden for companies to ditch so-called junk fees. Biden touted the steps taken by Live Nation, SeatGeek, and other companies during White House remarks Thursday and also recognize ticket sellers like TickPick that already provide upfront pricing to customers with no hidden fees. Now, while the company's moves are voluntary, Biden has been on a crusade against junk fees. He threatened to take action in this year's State of the Union address, saying, quote, Americans are tired of being played for suckers. The move comes after Live Nation Entertainment, the parent company of Ticketmaster, faced tons of criticism from the White House and Congress earlier this year over ticket sales for Taylor Swift's tour that included exorbitant hidden fees and platform outages, preventing some fans from buying tickets, and also prompted those hearings up in Congress, Mosh, in which lawmakers 
used nonstop Taylor Swift puns. We did get that too, Jill. We did get that too. The scrutiny by the Department of Justice last year intensified investigation into Ticketmaster, which controls effectively entry into a majority of the nation's live events. And this is just one part of it. The Biden administration has proposed new rules targeting credit card late fees, airlines, lodging, you know, basically all the nickel and diming that happens um, across the board to consumers. He's also asked Congress to eliminate hidden fees altogether across all industries in what's called the Junk Fee Prevention Act. So what will this mean to all of us? Well, Live Nation Entertainment, which owns Ticketmaster, will begin this September listing upfront prices without hidden fees. So again, you're not going in and seeing that the ticket costs 45 bucks and then finding that all these fees at the end. And by the way, Joel, there's some memes related to all this. The like, we added this fee because we can fee. <laughs> like, here's $4 because like, what, you're not going to buy these tickets fee. And like, that's sort of how it feels. And it appears here, at least starting September, that that will no longer be the case. When I was putting Friday's newsletter together, I was making a joke that they have breathing fees. Like if you if you just want to breathe the air, because that is what it feels like. And you also see it across industries in the airline industry and, and, and in other industries as well, where it's just like enough already. There's too many fees. Just tell us what the price is going to be. And it's something where the government feels here, the White House feels it can be relevant, right? This is relevant to our lives uh, and at least creating some clarity here for consumers where you don't have to pay the breathing fee and they're like, you know, it was COVID three years ago fee. <laughs> and they're like, do you actually want to enter through a door fee? Uh, and, you know, all these like dumb fees. Like, And so apparently Ticketmaster will have it up front. SeatGeek will have an option where you can toggle to see the all-in cost because it just, it sucks. And then you get to the end and you're like, what, am I not going to buy it now? Like, but it just, it gives you an icky feeling. And I guess if the government can get rid of that icky feeling, that's something that they've accomplished this year. I love that that's SeatGeek's answer to this, that they're going to have a toggle on its platform to let customers choose if they want to see the all-in cost. I mean, they're going to eventually be paying for it. So yes, I think that they they do want to know. Do you want it to feel cheap? (laughs) Do you want it to feel cheap in the beginning so you can tell your friends, like, I only got these tickets for X as opposed to using the all-in cost? Perhaps. All right, now time for On This Day in History on this June 16th. We're going to start in 1884. Jill, the first roller coaster in America opened up in Coney Island in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, It actually followed the first one opening in the world. That was in Paris back 70 years previous. But today in 1884, you got to ride your first roller coaster in America. All right, we fast forward to 1933. The FDIC was created on this day. It was an attempt by FDR and the government at that point to shore up confidence in banks again after all the bank failures and the financial collapse in 1929 and the early Great Depression period. It's obviously continued to be relevant up until this day with the bank failures this year, uh, the fact that there's insurance backing up deposits in our banks here in America. All right, now we go to 1963, the first woman in space today. It was Soviet cosmonaut Valentina Tereshkova. She became the first woman to travel in space, completing 48 orbits in just about 71 hours. Uh, Jill, the big deal right now is the plan right now for the U.S. is to return to the moon in the next couple of years and actually land the first woman on the moon. All right, Jill and everyone listening, I don't know if you remember this moment. But 29 years ago this weekend, June 17th, 1994, 95 million people around the world watched as O.J. Simpson and a white Ford Bronco led the LAPD and the California Highway Patrol on a low-speed chase along the 405. Mosh, of course I remember where I was. I was actually home, uh, (laughs) and I was watching on my parents' TV. 
um, the NBA finals were on. And then all of a sudden the news broke in uh, with choppers overhead of that of of the white Bronco. Jill, for the real news nerds out there, one of the uh, uh, people in the helicopters in the chase was, if you know, MSNBC anchor Katie Tour. Her father was a traffic reporter uh, who uh, is one of the uh, voices you remember from following the OJ chase. That is a good piece of trivia about Katie Tour's father. I thought you were, though, going to mention who was in the car with him. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, OJ was uh, in the car, but driving was a guy named Alec Howlings, a former teammate of his uh, from his time on the Buffalo Bills. So we, we could do a whole OJ trivia episode at some point, Jill. And we should. Okay, we end here with On This Day with a bit of music and pop culture history. On this day, June 15th, 1965, this iconic hit was recorded. People call, say, beware, doll, you're bound to fall, you thought they were all. Then, of course, is Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. It would prove to be one of the greatest hits and the transition marking the transition Bob Dylan made from being a folk singer to uh, a rock and roll artist. He had been hearing the sound of the Beatles and was convinced he had to shift his genre. Bruce Springsteen said the first time he heard Like a Rolling Stone, quote, it sounded like somebody's kicked open the door to your mind. I'm trying to think if there's anything I've ever heard that I've thought that it kicked open the door to my mind, because that's pretty profound. And, And for Bruce Springsteen, of course, who's one of the best musicians of all time, it probably did. Like a rolling stone. All right, 45 years ago today, we'll end with this. Grease starring John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John premiered in theaters June 16th, 1978. So I've tried to get my daughter to watch this. <laughs> and I think she's, she's just she's too four, young. Right? She's four way too young. And then I actually think about the movie and just what it's really about and the underlying themes. And I'm like, why am I pushing this on her? <laughs> and it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. Time for what we are watching, reading, and eating. Mosh, kick it off. What are you going to be watching? So it's a big weekend for U.S. Open golf. Uh, So we'll check a bit of that out. And I keep hearing from people that I need to watch Manifest on Netflix. It's a Lost style series. So I'm going to get on that. Wait, you haven't watched any of it yet? No. It's a great series. It was not originally on Netflix, but Netflix bought it. It became so popular on Netflix that they decided to add a fourth season. And I cannot wait to watch it. All right. What are you watching? Okay, I have been watching, actually, Amy Schumer's new comedy special, also on Netflix. It's called Emergency Contact. Lots of mom humor or just her very uncensored take on getting older, how our bodies change, etc. For me, at least, quite relatable. Jill, you said you've been watching it. Uh, I just looked up on the Netflix website. The whole show is 51 minutes. How are you you piecemealing this one together? (laughs) Okay, by the time I put my kids to bed and then record this podcast with you, Mm -hmm. put the final touches on the newsletter and the show notes, etc., I have about... 20 minutes in me <laughs> to watch okay. anything. So you're watching like every three jokes. Yes. You, just, you fall asleep. And so that's how you're getting through the Amy Schumer. Correct. Stuff. And if you're wondering, it is so incredibly frustrating for my husband because we have shows that we've been trying to watch together, including the last couple of episodes of Succession. 
and I fall asleep within 15 minutes and he's like, and I've said to him, just watch it by yourself at this point. But uh, he's a good husband and he he's holding on for me. It's very sweet of him on this Father's Day. You might insist this Father's Day weekend. Just finish. Just finish the show. Jill, what are you reading this weekend? So speaking of Father's Day, my father uh, just got me a book for my birthday. It's called The Postcard. It's by Anne Barrest. Uh, he knows me very well. It's a it's a Holocaust book, which is always of interest to me. So that is what I'll be reading. What about you? So uh, there's an article that caught my attention, Jill. Uh, we reported it in the newsletter and over on Instagram this week that Instant Pot is filing for bankruptcy. And so The Atlantic, and we'll link to it in the show notes, has a piece on why Instant Pot failed. Part of the reason, Jill, it's just too good. People didn't need to buy another one. Uh, and so it's you know sort of the anti-iPhone in that case, where Apple just keeps doing these updates, making your iPhone run slow, and you keep having to get new phones. Instant Pot apparently didn't learn that advice. And they made their products so good. You just have to buy one and then you kind of use it for the rest of time. So how are they going to grow and diversify? And that was one of the challenges. Which takes us, Jill, to what we're eating this weekend. What do you got on tap? Mosh, I'm still about birthday cake. I mentioned a couple of days ago that I have been buying my own birthday cake. Uh, but this year, before my husband or my family even heard that podcast, they went out and bought me birthday cake. Uh, so I actually had more than one and we're still making our way through them. What about you? So a couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife Alex and I attended this rollout for this new barbecue sauce. We have friends uh, who run this company called New York Shuk, uh, New York S-H-U-K. Uh, they, they are an Israeli couple and they launched a line of Middle Eastern style barbecue sauces like harissa style, shawarma style. They're delicious. Um, Alex, just before this podcast, made salmon and asparagus, and we were dipping it in this barbecue sauce, and it is excellent. All right, and for anybody who's interested, we're going to put the link to that in our show notes. All right, Jill, should we wrap it up for the week? We may as well, Mosh, but before <laughs> we do, uh, really a happy, happy Father's Day to everybody out there, uh, especially our dads. Uh, really appreciate everything that you guys do for us, uh, and to my husband as well, who is an amazing father to my two kids. And, and Mosh, to you, uh, happy pre-Father's Day. Jill, I appreciate that. And I'm very excited uh, for what lies ahead. And my promise to you, Mosh, is that sometime before baby Wanunu makes its way into this world, I will be putting together a special father's edition of this podcast so we can send you off on paternity leave, which I hope you take some sort of leave um, with maybe some good advice from, from some of our listeners. So I'll be working on that within the next few weeks. Can't wait to hear it. By the way, good cue for the fact that we do have the Mo News hotline. You can call us at 1-800-711-MOSH to ask your questions or comment on uh, the podcast, and we will air your comments or questions in a future episode. That again is 1-800-711-MOSH. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. And just have a great weekend. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.